0: think they're going to have to build the John Krasinski Memorial parking lot to fit everyone in for the next show. Uh, this place is packed. Uh, welcome to Headflyer Brewing right here on Hennepin over in Northeast. I've been here plenty of times, brought my dogs. It's cool to be here with the people who are here tonight. This is the John Krasinski Show, part of the TalkNorth.com. We are lucky to have special guest Dane Moore of the Dane Moore NBA podcast available on Blue Wire. Thank you for being here, Dane, I appreciate it. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, who has worked up quite a sweat trying to figure out how to get two speakers to reach all these people. Thank you for your patience, we do appreciate it. Uh, John, let's get right into it. 60 or 70 wins? <laughs>
1: I mean, judging by the turnout, 72, 72 I mean, what's wrong with it? Hey, first before we start, before we start, this is my 19th season covering the Timberwolves. I have covered David Kahn, Kurt Rambis, Johnny Flynn over Steph Curry. I've covered Gerson Rosas getting fired a week before. I've covered all the dysfunction and you all have kind of gone through all the dysfunction too. So I think we all need to just celebrate together tonight because I think this team is going to be good, but this shows state of hoops, as Jake Graf says. We're not worried about hockey fans tonight. This is a basketball state, a basketball city. Let's get after it and have fun. <laughs> yes, sir. There we go. I've had a couple of beers. Let's go. <laughs> no,
0: I'm waiting for you to drink more beer. Yeah. This is good.
2: Dane,
1: how do you follow that?
2: I, I have no idea how to follow that. Uh, I have not covered the team for 19 years, but they have been bad also <laughs> when, when I, since I've covered them. And this is easily the, the best team I've ever covered and, I don't know, probably the best Minnesota sports team in the state right now.
0: Yeah, I think, it, I think definitely. Although, well, I Go do for say, football. I do have to say go for football is pretty good.
2: Uh, yeah. I didn't even know. Cool. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah but it, it's different different level of competition, but mm-hmm. they are very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so realistically... What are your expectations? I mean, and, and I'm talking about, you know, they're not going to nobody's going to uh, suffer a catastrophic injury, right. but right. they're also not going to get some crazy stroke of luck. I mean, what do you see now? What do you expect? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that this is a team that deserves the excitement that is surrounding it right now. I mean, coming off of last year with the playoffs. Probably
2: more than the attention than they're getting right now. Exactly. Uh, I think, I mean, yeah. 47, 48 wins in Vegas. I mean, Team 146 last season. Yeah. This should be at least a 50-win team based on the talent of,
1: of right. the group. Yeah, I think they're going to win a ton of games in the regular season. I, I do. I think it's going to be a team that benefits from a soft start to the schedule and kind of coalesces through those 12, first 12 games that are pretty, uh, pretty light and then builds momentum throughout. And so – We'll see what happens in the playoffs, we'll see what they do with Rudy Gobert in the playoffs and all of those things, but you're looking at a team that legitimately, we could be sitting here in March going into April and they are upper 50 wins and if all comes together and you're looking at second seed, third seed, fourth seed kind of of thing and home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs and... That's, that's the star power that is on this team right now. And you look at the starting five that they have and try to match it up against most other teams, even in a great Western conference, I just think man for man, one through five, talent is going to win. And they have good coaching. They have all those other things. But um, a lot of the pieces are in place for a, a really fun season.
2: I, I think the glass half full view of this is to to compare it to what Phoenix did two years ago when they added Chris Paul. Obviously, Chris Paul and Rudy Gobert are very different styles of player, but they're the type of player that's not gonna get you 25 points, right? They're gonna, they're gonna help everybody else around them, and we have seen that in Phoenix these past two years, where just adding a veteran guy who's gonna put the younger guys in place, literally and figuratively, that's how you make a massive leap in, in the standings, and that's what Phoenix did. They, went, they got Chris Paul, they went to the finals their first season. And I think the impact, we always say that with Rudy, right? The, the impact that Rudy has, I think it's kind of similar to what, what Chris Paul has historically had. So, John, what I would say is it's, it's not about talent. It's about how the personalities of those five starters mesh together to reach that ceiling. But that ceiling is, is very much possible based on the talent that the group has.
1: Right. And, and I think, like, what we've already started to glean from Rudy uh, in his very early tenure here is he has his contract he all of that is in place he knows that there 's been this criticism that has followed him he can 't win in the playoffs he can 't do this he can 't do that and so I think his motivation is as altruistic as it 's going to be like Jimmy came here with totally different motivations he still wanted to get paid he still he wanted to really kind of put his fingerprints on this organization and have it his way and drag the young kids with him. Um, I think Rudy comes here thinking championship, literally he said it and, and that's the bar and he has a style of play that is going to be a lot easier for the rest of the team to acclimate around. And when you bring in an all world defender like he is, and I am I was in Vegas talking about this trade a lot and there are people in the league who believe that Rudy Gobert is the best player on the Timberwolves right now. More than Towns, more than Edwards in terms of just impact. We'll see if that plays out. That's what I think. And yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an entirely possible thing. But it, what's
2: nice is however you want to stack it, Ant, Cat, or Rudy is the best player. There's not a huge gap between those three guys. And they are, uh, as ESPN said, all top 25 players in the league right now. And so when you just, I mean, particularly in the modern NBA, top level talent drives it, right? And then what's gonna determine the difference between 45 to 55 or more wins is what you're putting around them, right? In terms of what is Jaden McDaniels gonna be able to do this year? How's Chris Finch gonna be able to weave this thing together? Like, again, you, you, you have this talent at the top of the roster. How do you get their games to play together? I'm sure we'll talk about Kat and Rudy. They play the same position. How are you going to make that happen? But, again, I really think it's about how do you connect these personalities. And, John, we've been around Coach Finch, and I think if there's something he's really special with, we always say, oh, offensive guru. He's a he's a person who understands people yes. and how to connect people. And that, yeah. that stood out to me since the first day I, I met him in just his sort of, like, chill, he'd be a person here having a beer and just yep. taking it in, like, and, and that is very well received, I think, by the players. And, and that's what gives me encouragement when I go, you know, Ant is very different than D'Lo, as D'Lo is very different than Carl, as Carl is very different than Rudy. You have to have that through line that is able to connect the guys. And of the coaches I've covered, this is the best coach to be able to do that job, I think, easy.
1: What he recognizes is what several others haven't, is that the head coach is more than an X's and O's guy. Like, it's... You, let's, we all make fun of it, but last night they were in Mankato for the lasagna dinner and at Glenn Taylor's house. And all of them wore some sort of lasagna-themed T-shirt. It's corny. It's weird. It doesn't make any sense. But that comes from Chris Finch and probably Tim Connolly as well saying, look, guys, the owner of this franchise wants just this one night. Let's just play the game and do what he wants, so that we he has our back when we need him. And Tom Thibodeau canceled the lasagna dinner, I was and everybody say, say who, yeah. "Who cares about Tom Thibodeau canceling lasagna dinner?" But that's like a microcosm of the entire approach to leading an organization. Like Chris Finch understands that this is not a big deal. We got to go to lasagna. We just have to do it. We all at our jobs have to do something. That we don't want to do, but you do it. And you and, and just to go along to get along. And so Chris Finch is doing that. He is talking to his stars every single day in different ways and trying to bring them together and make sure they're all on the same page. He's doing the little work that it takes to breed harmony in an organization, the business side, ownership, players, um, you know, all of it. And and so his ability to connect like that, I think, is unique. From, from almost saying, Flip Saunders did a great job of it. He understood that part of it. But so many others say, I just need to coach. All, just let me coach and win games, and that's all that matters. Not at this level. Just not at this level.
0: You know, I came to town to cover the Vikings in 1990, and I'm constantly reminded by my friends who work for the Vikings that, hey, people think we're this immense organization. We're not. There's, this person has to do this, or it's not going to get done. It's you know, it's a lean organization. The Timberwolves are tiny compared to the to the Vikings. It's a small organization. The the basketball people pass the business people in the halls every day, and six hours after Tom Thibodeau got hired, people were bitching about him. They were just <laughs> sick of him already. You know, Finch knows how to play the game. Connolly knows how to play the game. They seem to have hired good people. And listen, I, I this is. The John Krasinski Show, it's part of TalkNorth.com. It's a, our podcast network. We're very lucky to have Cheryl Reeve on the network. You know, Cheryl and I talk a lot about organizations, basketball. She's one of the best coaches and administrators in the world. And she's raving about what she sees on the Timberwolves side. And she doesn't rave when she doesn't believe it. She sees good things happening throughout the organization over there.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that one of, the thing, one of the reasons that so many fans have a little more faith that I think writers believe there's more on solid ground is it's all starts at the leadership positions. Tim Connolly, nine years at Denver and built a really good, strong team. Chris Finch, a very good head coach. It's, I can't remember a time in this organization's history where you've had competent leadership at both positions. I love Ryan Saunders. Like I, like I think the world of him, he wasn't quite ready yet for that position when he was head coach. Gerson Rosas I thought maybe could be, but obviously made a, hu- a number of huge mistakes and that fell apart. Tibbs was not ready as an executive. He was a good, a good coach, bad executive. Um, Flip tried to do both. I think it was a little too much for him in that way. Obviously the Rambis Khan thing was a disaster in both stretches. You had Dwayne Casey, you had Kevin McHale. It's never been really good executive really good head coach, and right now I think it's both.
2: When your organization isn't a disaster, you're attractive. Yeah. Like, Rudy chose to come. I mean, I know it's a trade, but he could have said no. It, yeah, at that caliber of player, like you have some autonomy to, to make your decision of, of where you want to go when you put yourself on the trade market, and I think that is indicative of like last year, right, we are like, uh, how good is this team going to be? How important is it that they, that they make the playoffs or not? Like, Ant's 20 years old. Does it really matter? Like, we want to peak when Ant peaks. Well, they put the right foot forward last season to win 46 games, exceed expectations in a major way. And without that, I do not think you have Tim Connolly here. I do not think you, you have Rudy Gobert on this team. And that is, completely changes the fabric of the team. Like, are Austin Rivers and Bryn Forbes super special players? Probably not. But think about Think about, what the, like, think about the history of the Wolves team. Who have been the 12th, 13th, 14th guy? Like Those have been guys who are literally out of the league once their contract expires on the Wolves. This is a deep team. It's a, it's a team of guys who actually chose to come to Minnesota, which is completely unique to, yes. to what I've seen here. And it, just, it signals to me a new era, as cliche as that sounds. But you need to have competence to grow. And this team has started to be competent, for the first time in 20 years, and, and now, all of a sudden, boom, you have a team that we're talking about winning 50 games. It, it does, I, I think a lot of people like, don't understand, they're like, oh, why are we talking about what the organization is? I don't care what the business right. side is. That stuff, I used to think that before I covered the team. And then you start seeing how intertwined these things are.
1: It matters. With, without that continuity,
2: you're the Timberwolves.
3: And we were, now,
1: now you're a different team. On media day, when Austin Rivers came through, when Bryn Forbes came through, they clearly looked at their of options, and they weren't major free agents. They didn't have a ton of options, but those are the kinds of players who would say, "There's no way I'm taking a minimum deal to play in Minnesota past, oh, sure. in the past, like ever." And instead they say, "Oh, Anthony Edwards is here. Oh, I like what Chris Fitch is doing. Oh." Uh, as Kyle Anderson said, I saw the ownership on the sideline during the playoffs and that resonated as sort of out there and kind of thirsty as Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez have seemed early on. Like players pick up on that and they are engaged and this, they are making moves and spending money and doing things that are atypical of the Timberwolves and now that is starting to trickle down to the player level, and they are starting to look at that and consider that when they're looking at their options. And I think, you know, that's a huge thing because, I mean, forever and ever, you couldn't get free agents here, and there's still not gonna be a free agent destination, but you always, the championship teams are able to assemble a core and then convince veterans to say, come here, take a little less money, but you can win a lot here. And there was no reason to believe, if you're an Austin Rivers, that that was ever possible prior to this list last year or year two. Now they are starting to believe that. And if they go forward with a mid 50s year win year, if they go forward, win around in the playoffs, do more in the playoffs, that process of recruiting more around your really expensive core is going to be easier and easier.
2: And I think a huge part of it too is like everybody's very excited for this season. But you, this is also the beginning of yeah. something. Like, Rudy's under contract for four years. Carl's under contract for six years. Ant's going to sign an extension next summer. So he's going to be from now seven years. Jaden, probably six years. Like, you have a group that's moving in a direction. Do I think the Wolves are going to win the championship this year? Probably not. Are, are they in that? Con- I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening, how much they can compete. But it takes a sequence of years to build, to stack on top of what you're doing. And this is, this is the first core they've had since 2004 that looks remotely capable of being able to do that. I mean, they've functionally been a G League team for, for so much of this time, because they, they haven't been able to stack anything on Kevin Love. They haven't been able to stack anything on Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns for seven years. This is the first time you're like, we did something right. And we are going to make subsequent correct moves after that. And here you are, you know, now you're in the mix. That, and this is, this is the direction it's moving now.
0: The podcast network is TalkNorth.com. We have a couple team members here tonight. Thanks to Brandon Morton, our original producer. He's been with us forever. He takes care of all this stuff. Yeah, feel free to give Brandon a hand. He deserves it. He doesn't like it. That's why you should do it. Uh, our sales executive, Karen Cleary, is here. Thanks to her. Uh, so set, to set the table, uh, Neil Miller, one of the owners of Headflyer, is going to come up and talk to us. Hey, you're here, you know, but our listeners should know that it's a big, open, cool space, great patio, uh, dog friendly. I've brought my dogs here. Great beer, uh, just a great place to hang out. John's here all the time. He'll talk more about it later. Uh, we are going to give away raffle. Not me. Megan is going to give away raffle tickets uh, for Headflyer gift card. Here's Megan right here for Head Flyer gift cards, Head Flyer merchandise, and we also have three grand prizes. Three sets of four lower-level tickets to Timberwolves games. Uh, These now are worth a lot. Uh, This is really impressive. It's really cool. We Uh, also
1: have one thing, Jim. We also have a a manscaped... (laughs) Manscaped (laughs) ear and nose hair trimmer for a lucky person out there so you are going to change your life trust me
0: we're probably not gonna have john do the live manscaped <laughs> read here tonight we're gonna add it in i just don't want to see all
1: find me later find me later i'll tell it to you privately we'll do it we'll record one on your phone
0: in other words you can bribe john into going behind the building and doing a personal manscape building let's do it out know, front if you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what happens here. Yeah. Uh, Neil, I want you to come up and have a quick talk with John about your business, about hosting the Podcast, whatever you want. Just talk with John.
1: First of all, everybody, give a hand to Neil Miller, owner, head flyer, proprietor. I've said it before on this podcast. My wife, Gretchen, and I have been coming here for years. We really enjoy it. It's always a great vibe. Neil, thanks for having us. For sure, um, for sure. What yeah. do you think tonight?
3: Yeah, this is great. Uh, Thanks for coming. Uh, Again, this is our second year of sponsoring the John Krasinski Podcast. We love it. We're huge Timberwolves fans. We're huge sports fans in Minnesota. So thank you very much for coming out. Definitely thank the staff up there pouring beers. They have been going crazy. I'm sweating, and I'm just helping them. So cheers to them. We have awesome staff here. You come to Head Flyer, you're going to see the same faces, and they are awesome. We love them, and we have even had to recruit extras here tonight. Some people who showed up to have fun. Ended up pouring some beers just to help everybody. So the turnout's great. We really appreciate everybody coming out and really excited for the Timberwolves season this year. Things are looking great, so.
1: Yeah, Neil, just before we go, like you want this to be a Timberwolves destination during the season. What can you, where do? You, what are people gonna come here on game night and experience? For sure, for
3: sure. So we have the 111 inch uh, projector screen right there. One of the best places to watch basketball in the house. After last year's playoffs, we had so many people crowded around the projector that we decided to add some more TVs up here above the bar. Try to give people some extra room if you want to sit at the bar, sit at some of these tables now. You also have the opportunity to watch the game, uh, whether it be Timberwolves it is one of our favorites, uh, but we also play all local sports games and and anything. So if you want to come by, grab a beer, watch a game, this is the spot.
1: Awesome, Neil. Hey, thanks for having us. This has been great.
3: This yeah, thank you. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Thanks for everyone for coming out. Definitely stop by. Remember, we got these shirts. If you come on Timberwolves game day, beers are $1 off if you're wearing the Timberwolves shirt. Wear this to the game, show it off, show everybody. Uh, really appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Neil. appreciate it. Thanks for having us. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We also have that microphone right there is for live questions. And when we do a live show, we would like you to participate. We'd like you to come up and ask questions you're interested in getting an answer to. Uh, We just have it back here for feedback issues. So just come on up, grab the mic. And uh, when you speak into it, hold it close to your mouth and uh, come up anytime during the show and ask a question. All right, so let, let's get more into the owners because, you know, Glenn Taylor has been a weird owner. I mean, he you know, he won four WNBA championships. He treats generally treats people very well. He has had all kinds of problems on the Timberwolf side, and he's selling to people who appear to be the complete opposites from him. You know, a kind of innovative, new-age uh, billionaire who wants to build a city in the clouds, and A-Rod, who... As a former baseball writer, I just don't know anybody who likes A-Rod. So, so what does it mean to have these two coming in? And, and once we get past the honeymoon, what do you expect from these people?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, people get mad at me for what I say about Glenn Taylor in terms of like not wanting to you know, force him to sell and all these things. Here's the thing with Glenn Taylor. It's always been an issue of hiring the wrong people. It's not ever been... Glenn Taylor meddling with, no, you have to pick this player. With this is, this is what we're going to do with this. It's, he's just, he hires people, and he gives them the rope to either make mistakes or have success, and shouldn't have hired Tom Thibodeau as a, both a coach and a GM. Shouldn't have hired David Kahn. Shouldn't have hired, ultimately, it turns out, shouldn't have hired Gerson Rosas. And um, now it appears that they've hired the right person, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Margolori and Alex Rodriguez were involved in that hiring in terms of they really are new owner syndrome. Like they're super engaged in trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong, um, make the right decisions. It doesn't mean they're always gonna make the right ones but whereas Glenn Taylor kind of managed from afar, like Mark and Alex managed from afar as well but they're much closer to the day-to-day decision-making, and they're much more involved in that. And I think that that has changed the atmosphere around the organization a lot, both for great and maybe for kind of exasperation of just like, holy cow, these guys are really want to make a lot of changes really quickly. And it's just a, it's a different way of operating.
2: Yeah, if I'm being honest, I thought when Glenn Taylor sold the Mark Lurie and Alex Rodriguez, that mean, meant, like, Turn over the hourglass, like yeah. five years and the Wolves are out of town. Um, that was the, the value, one of maybe the only values that Glenn brought over the years was as long as Glenn owned the team, the Timberwolves were staying in Minnesota, which I think to all of us is an important thing. Yeah. And, and I was always scared is whatever ends up happening, whoever he sells to next, like, you can, if you move this team to, to Las Vegas or wherever, you know, you're going to make a billion dollars. And, and I looked at Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez who have a, a history in venture capitalism. You know, like, like that's kind of what they do. They buy things and they flip them. So that, I, I came in with a very cynical mindset of them. And in now, uh, what has it been, two years? Like as time continues to go on, I think that less and less and less down to zero. And that, that comes from them one being available for us to actually like talk to, get to know, ask questions on and off the record about what the actual plan is here. And then the thing I didn't really expect that was you were kind of alluding to, John, about Kyle Anderson, the, the players really appreciate that, particularly Alex Rodriguez is yes. an owner. And however much that does or doesn't matter, I don't know how to quantify that exactly. But from having talked to a lot of the players on the team about that, it does seem to matter to them. And it goes back to what we were talking about before. Like, Torian Prince is one of those players I, I've talked to about that. He decides to come back this season, being an unrestricted free agent, signs on a discount. Like, a lot of winning in the NBA is on the margins. It's those, it's those small things. And a lot of times, like, the owner, all the small things trickle down from who the owner is. And, and I have a lot of confidence in what they are trying to build here, the, the direction that they're aiming. Uh, I... I think it's also still fair. Like, let's see if A-Rod has some money. Like, we gotta make sure yeah. that, that that all ends up happening. They have not actually purchased the team yet to they do not own a majority share. But as someone who was very cynical about that when the deal went down initially, someone that was scared of losing the Timberwolves from Minnesota, I can say I feel much less that way. And pretty much everyone I talk to views it as a, a positive thing in this organization. And for sure, Tim Connolly, yep. like 0% none. Tim Connolly is here if it's just Clinton Taylor and ownership. And we'll see how good the Tim Connolly era ends up being. But this is maybe the most talented Wolves team in franchise history, and he deserves a lot of credit for, for having put that together and having the connections that can continue to build off that.
1: There are so many people around the league who, when those two came in, are like these guys are full of shit. Like they're they, they they're not going to follow through on their stuff. They're not going to have the money. Ins- we'll see if, if how they complete the transaction. I think they're going to because they came in at a 1.5 billion dollar valuation. Yeah. It's now 2 billion and going up. Like they're going to they're going to close the deal. Wh- however they do it, they'll figure out. It, figure it out, but slowly but surely with the moves that they've made like I reported heavily on the Tim Connolly uh, recruitment. And through that whole thing, there was a lot of skepticism from everyone around the Like, they're not going to be able to pull this off, right? They're not going to be able to convince Glenn Taylor to pay this money, right? And lo and behold, they did. And so which, with everything that they do to follow through on the, let's face it, they are out there and making big promises and making bold proclamations, and, but they are following through with it And that's a different kind of a thing. I mean, how many fans now are taking their shoes off after a win? It's hokey. It's weird. But Mark Lurie started that. And people are connecting with that. Better than lasagna. Better than lasagna. And Alex Rodriguez for all of the polarization if he's in the room with you, he has a presence about him that is different. And other professional athletes see that. It's You know, I'm a tiger and he's a tiger. Like, and so there's a built-in sort of like, okay, you know what you're doing. You've been here before. And I think that plays into kind of his ability to resonate with this franchise. Whether he ends up being a 50-50 partner or a 90-10 partner, he's going to be involved. And I think that the way that he kind of moves and like the crowd around him Like, that is different than this small-town country guy, Glenn Taylor, that has always been here, and in good ways and bad, but overall, it brings a different attention to the organization and a different kind of sheen on it than we've seen in a long time.
0: Alex Rodriguez when he has lasagna tonight, is going to fly it in from Naples. You, that's right. Not Florida. I mean, Naples.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, he's got standards a little bit. But he did have cheeseburgers with Glenn Taylor before he bought the team. So he knows when to fire that bullet and when not to.
0: I I, I do love the anecdotes about uh, those guys going down to Glenn Taylor and visiting and just acclimating. Yeah. Just acting like chameleons. Yep, Glenn, whatever you're having, we're having. That's
1: exactly right. Mark Laurie is a vegan, and he had... A cheeseburger because he was trying to buy a team for $1.5 billion that he knew was going to be worth 2 to $2.5 billion. Like, you just do what you got to do to close the deal.
2: It's one of the craziest stories of franchise history that these guys actually bought the team. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it legitimately is because, and, and the story isn't yet written either. Like, there is going to be a scenario. I mean, it's not, anything's not locked down until there is a new stadium built here that they, with the state of Minnesota, own together. And, and I think that is the thing we, we actually need to be tracking over the next three to five years is what does it look like to finance a new stadium here? Because that is going to ultimately come down to all of us. Like, we're going to pay for it out of our taxes. And that's what I am encouraged, as somebody who wants to keep my job, of keep the Timberwolves here, is that we have all these people here like this who actually care about, the, are really invested in this Timberwolves team. Seattle Mariners, the team A-Rod was on, right? Like, that team was about to get sold and, and leave. But what happened? A-Rod, Randy Johnson, Ken Griffith Jr., all those guys made the Seattle Mariners attractive. They put a bill to the, to the house, the, the state house, got turned down initially. The Mariners got good. They put it up there again. They built the stadium. The Mariners have stayed in Seattle to today, you know? And, and that's what the Wolves are doing here too and the, with the ironic parallel of A-Rod is they're building something behind Ant, behind this group that is going to make Minnesota citizens wanna pay taxes to build a new stadium here to keep the Timberwolves in Minnesota, which is ultimately what I think we all want, right? Like, we, we, we wanna keep the Timberwolves here. You finally have a group in place that knows how to do that.
1: If, if a stadium gets built, it's the house that Ant built. Like, that's what it is. And I know he's been through his difficulties this summer, but ultimately, he's the guy. Like, I, I say it all the time, before Randy Moss came to the Minnesota Vikings, it was a stagnant organization. They were having trouble selling tickets. They were having trouble winning at a high level. They won, not, they didn't lose at the level the Wolves lost at, but they were having trouble building up. Moss gets here and it's a WWE concert every single night at Metrodome. And that's what Ant does. And I think when they win more, it will only build that way. Three years ago, five years ago, eight years ago, no one would have paid one cent to keep the Timberwolves here. It would have been go, right. I, don't, I don't need you. Like you haven't done anything to be, to, for me to invest in you at all. And that, let alone not just like pay for a stadium, not come to a game, not watch on TV, none of that. But that's the value of talent and that's what they have right now. They don't just have talent they have bankable stars, and, and that are going to kind of capture the imagination of the group, of the city, and, and sell tickets in a way that they haven't before, you know, pack stadiums like they haven't before, he's that dude get ratings. Dude. He's that dude. He is that dude, and he's going to bring that, and, and when it all is said and done, that's why he's going to be making, at the end of his next contract, $70 million a year, because he deserves it.
0: Head Flyer Brewing, you all know this, but I'll say it for the listening audience, uh, 861, 861 East Hennepin Avenue, uh, easy to get to, generally a lot of parking. Uh, you know, you want to build a Timberwolves Stadium, right you charge to the John Krasinski parking lot That's at Head right. Flyer Brewing, we'll have there it done go. in a couple of weeks here. Uh, did you have a question, sir? Yep,
1: oh, yeah. Fire away. Yeah, let's go.
2: Hey, guys. Uh, Hi. My name is Steven, a big fan of the podcast, both of yours and all of yours, so thanks for doing this event. I have had a question for many years, and when I heard you say, uh, John, although this, this question could be for you, uh, Dane, but, John, when you said that you've had a couple beers tonight, <laughs> I thought this might be my only chance Let's to go. get the real answer. Shoot your shot. Let's say maybe, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, Kevin Love did some knuckle push-ups,
1: <laughs> oh, and I want to
2: know... Is that the real story, or is there something more to it?
0: Good question. Put him on the spot. Everybody come up here and put John on the spot.
2: That, 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 he already answered it right there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I still, I, this is the honest truth. I do not know what happened, what he did. What I do know is it was not knuckle push-ups. Like, I will tell you that definitively and declaratively, um, I have heard all sorts of wild <laughs> what else speculation. Do we do with our,
2: what else do we do with our knuckles?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. And I've, I, I, I'm not going to do all of that on, on public airwaves here, but, like, I've heard some wild stories about it. Um, I don't. I can't confirm any of those, but I can confirm it, it was not knuckle push-ups. I will tell you that. Yeah.
0: How many Head Flyer beers would you have to have to tell us what you've heard?
1: Uh, maybe three or four more, and we're okay. almost there, so let's go. <laughs>
0: Get so rolling! Hey, uh, take this opportunity to thank our sponsors: Headflyer Brewing, of course, TSR Injury Law. Our friend Steve uh, Terry is a blast. He's not going to be here tonight. If you see Steve Terry at a Timberwolves game, go say hello to him. He's a cool dude. TSR Injury Law six one two TSR TSR Time. Excuse me, six one two TSR Time. Also follow our friend Steve Terry on Twitter at sjt Sports Fun. <clears throat> excuse me, great contributor to the show and a supporter of the show. We appreciate it. Uh, just remember, if you're injured, call 612-TSR-TIME. They will give you a great they, – they won't charge you unless they win your case. They win a lot of cases – Uh, The way they've grown their business and moved in beautiful new offices proves that they do great by their clients. TSR Injury Law 612-TSR-TIME. Thanks to Manscaped. Uh, John will be doing his personal Manscaped ads one-on-one for each of you later in the show. Welcome to Fresh Ball Fall.
1: It's the season of pumpkin spice and making sure your crotch looks nice. That means sipping cider in a fall breeze and using Manscaped products to trim your balls with ease, That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped, a company here to make sure that your foliage isn't the only thing shedding its excess leaves. Heck, even Mother Nature knows it's time to lose the excess clutter for fall. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC. Whether you're brand new or already use us at Manscaped, you could use the crown jewel of Care for your family jewels—the Platinum Package 4.0. With this glorious package, you can align your entire hygiene routine all in one swoop. Inside the 10-part Platinum Package is everything you know and love about the Performance Package, plus some shower goodies. Included, included to elevate your grooming game to Platinum—the Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer and Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer featured proprietary advanced skin safe technology to protect your delicate parts and holes. Don't forget to apply the aluminum free ultra premium deodorant. And don't worry, it's not pumpkin spice. It's a cologne quality fragrance. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag, both specially made to hold your goodies. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code ATHLETIC.
0: And thanks to All Energy Solar, the Inflation Reduction Act has raised the Federal Solar Investment Tax Credit from 26 to 30%. That's a fantastic opportunity for residents and businesses to invest in solar. The rebate includes solar power with battery backup. There may be additional solar incentives depending on the location of the property. Solar power with battery backup can keep your lights on and heat running when a summer or winter storm hits. Solar and electric vehicle are the perfect pair. Kick fossil fuels to the curb at home and on the road by using solar power to power your EV at home or provide them as a service to your business employees and customers. Now's a great time to secure your spot. For next year's installation, might want to act soon. According to some studies, one in four homeowners want to invest in solar within the next five years, but the grid is limited capacity. Grab your opportunity while you can before someone else does. Go to allenergysolar.com. And thanks to everyone who sponsors this show and the network. We appreciate it. We can't do it without you. Let's go back to the Timberwolves possibly leaving one more time. I will just say this. I came here in 1990, and I immediately noticed a Minnesota paranoia that every one of your teams is going to be stolen, including the Minnesota Gophers. Um, it's never <laughs> happened. It doesn't happen. Yeah. And I think what we have to remember while we're being paranoid is the NBA wants to be able to charge billions of dollars for their expansion franchise. They, If they let the Timberwolves move to Las Vegas, they don't get that. Uh, This is a good market. I think the NBA knows it's a good market. I think it would be very difficult to convince the NBA to let you move a team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of reported that when everyone was worried. And I understand the worries were legit. Like, you get an outside ownership group coming in that has no ties to this community. Dude, every every ownership group that
2: tried to buy the Timberwolves, like, two years ago, openly said to Glenn, we want to buy the team
1: to move Move it. to Seattle or move to, yep, 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 absolutely. That was
2: 100% yes. a real thing.
1: No question, no question about it. And to Glenn's credit, he would not sell to those yeah. folks. And, um, and so, but at the time, even like I had people in the league reaching out, yeah, I boy. had people, o- other people who have, were getting involved in trying to buy the team that were really exploring the ability to just pick up and move this team, and it was always going to be much more difficult than it kind of seemed at first glance. There, I will say this, just to get into the weeds for a second, it was kind of reported in some other places that there is a $50 million buyout for target center lease. And you think, well, if you're buying a team for 1.5 billion, 50 million is nothing, you do that, and then you get the heck out of here. The legal language and mumbo jumbo that is in that agreement is much harder to do than just cutting a check for 50 million. And so that combined with the NBA knowing that this is a good basketball market that you just have to bring good basketball to to be rewarded for. And they, they know like this has been a, an organization that has been run poorly for a very long time. And so This isn't the case of a team that that is having a lot of success and just can't get any traction with corporate sponsors, with fans, with any of that. This isn't Tampa baseball. Like, this is just a market that has done a disservice to its fans for a long, long time and taught them not to pay attention. And now that you're sending out little breadcrumbs on the trail and saying, come on back to us, we're not going to punch you in the face every time you walk into Target Center and insult you, like we're actually going to put out good product on the, on the court, now Target Center is jumping again. Now bars and restaurants around Target Center on game nights are up 300% from where they were prior to the, even prior to the pandemic. So that's the kind of effect that the league knows and so it was always going to be incredibly difficult to pick up and move this team.
2: And again, it will be on the ballot. Like yes. we will get to vote for whether or not we want to pay for a new target center or a new stadium here in Minnesota. That will be the determining factor. Provided the owners want to keep it there, which John and I both think that A-Rod and Lori are, are committed to that. It will then, if that, if that, then we have to vote to approve a tax to pay for a stadium here. If those two boxes are checked, the Timberwolves will stay here indefinitely.
0: So I've covered a lot of media days. I don't always cover the Timberwolves media day because I have so, such low expectations. It's usually kind of a just staged event. Some Timberwolves teams aren't very interesting. Once you get best, one or two stars. I was, we were all there the other day, and you guys have done it more than me, so you tell me if I'm right or wrong. My impression was that was a really interesting and thoughtful group of players. Uh, I just found them to be very kind of compelling and i don't always get that out of those sure. stage interviews
2: what oh uh yeah i mean i i think it's all these new it's the new guys right like kind of know we, we kind of know what uh who carl is right. who, who ain't those things yeah but, well,
0: and i and really what i mostly was talking about the new newcomers
2: yeah like um, rudy gobert is going to be an interesting dude like he's going to be serious he's a, he's a serious person And and then you bring in like as you brought up with Austin Rivers before, Bryn Forbes, like Austin Rivers chose to come here, you know, and and found that uh, attractive here. I thought his, I mean, right, he was the coolest at Media Day, like no doubt, Mighty Ducks, whatever, like, you know, I I think yeah, it's it's a more mature professional group, right? It's felt. Remember the the first Rosas press conference where they like, oh, these are our free agent acquisitions. Jordan Bell, Noah Vonley, yes. Jake Lehman, Trevion Graham, Shabazz Napier yeah. like those guys are not in the NBA anymore. That was like two years ago. Yeah. Like this is a group of actual NBA players who again are going to even the surrounding pieces are going to be the pieces who help define this group. You cannot be a 60 win team with just Ant Kat, and Rudy. Like you can't. You need to have everybody else around and they have a competent group of guys around, I, I, I think it's fat. I mean, again, to get in the weeds, like I think so much of this team is going to be determined by how and where Finch tweaks the rotations. You know, you have two centers in your starting lineup. How do you stagger those two guys? They have a group like 12 deep of legit NBA players who who we can make an argument should all be should be playing 15 minutes a night. And and you need like the Ryan Saunders era, man. Like, he 6 had through 10, he had nothing. He had nothing. He had nothing. Like, like you, you can go way deeper now, and that makes a difference, particularly in the regular season. Like, your players are going to take nights off. They're going to only play 31 minutes a night. Like, you have to have these other players. They finally actually have NBA players outside of the starting lineup. That's huge.
1: Well, and then the other part is, is like, I do believe losing Pat Bev was a big deal in terms of, like, the guy who rallied everyone together, who held people accountable, who was a little bit crazy, but...
2: Dude, he was super crazy.
1: Yeah, but knew, like, how to get people in line. But I do think that Rudy, while not as overtly insane as Pat Bev is, has the same type of not effing around mentality. Like, I'm really not worried about that.
2: Yeah. Like, and that, that's probably one of the biggest questions I get is... How do you replace the yep. leadership of Patrick Beverly? You can't, you're not going to bring in a Patrick Beverly to replace Patrick Beverly. You're going to do that in the more normal way of signing vets. Like Rudy, yeah, you're right. He's not going to have a round. Kyle Anderson's not going to have a round. Like Austin Rivers, those guys, they, they've, been, they've been through it. It's going to be a different type of leadership this year. But I don't view this roster as having a leadership issue in it. It's not your traditional, like Carl isn't your traditional leader, nor is Ant. It, it is going to be a group effort to, to lead the group, but I think they kind of learned
1: how to do it as a group last yes, year. Yes, he taught I, Pat Bev taught them. Yeah, now it's the, time to go. Who who would you say the leaders on the team were last year? It was Pat Bev, uh, Torian Prince. Yep. D-Lo. D'Lo. I would say D'Lo. D'Lo in some yeah, in, until he. Until D'Lo at the heights. Yeah, and then when the lows came, then he was out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it it
2: just. I think you, if you're just watching the games, you see Pat Bev yelling and all that. But Pat Bev's is also 34 years old on a group of guys who are like basically like college juniors and seniors. It wasn't that type. He was the on the floor leader. Torian Prince was the day to day leader of the guys, as was D'Lo. At, you know, as was Ant in his own way. Like it, it. This is not. This is kind of like the jobs we all go to. It's it's developing camaraderie. It it. And, and the people who develop the camaraderie are not always the best players right? or the, be, the best workers or the highest paid workers. Like, I, I'm really not concerned about it, and a lot of that comes from, again, as we talked about with Finch, like he's got a pretty good pulse on this. Yep.
0: I will also say I was told by somebody that uh, there were a handful of practices that they could not get through because of Pat Bev. Mm-hmm. He would just throw a fit. He'd stop the practice. I think it was great to have him here for a year. I th- also think you want to get rid of Pat Bev. He can sooner, stay too long. At some point, yep. I, think, I think one year and out is probably a good thing long term. It's not,
1: yeah. And bottom line, too, like, now Carl Anthony Towns is in the eighth season. Like, you're not young anymore. Like, there's, like, Ant is young, Jaden is young. You have Kat and D.Lo are not young. Like, you've crawled for long enough. Like, time to walk. But like, that's, that's never going to be Carl, man. Well, he's never going to be the leader, leader, but, like, he can't be the guy who... Yeah, it, it's a different type
2: of right. leadership. It's just, we all have different personalities. That is not Carl's natural right. personality type. And when he tries to be that, it comes off as disingenuous. And and I think, honestly, Carl let go of needing to be... Yeah, alpha, I agree. Trying to even be alpha leader and was like, cool, Pat Bev, cool, TP, whatever. Like, I thought that was real growth in Carl because yes. that's self-recognition, right? Like, they... It will, be, it will be a democracy. I, like that, that's how the leadership in this group will go. And I feel confident after seeing it last year that Pepev wasn't just running the show, like he just wasn't.
0: Yes, sir.
4: Hi, my name is DeVoe, uh, well, big dope. fan of you both. I've listened to both your podcasts for a while. Yes. Uh, I have two questions if that's okay. Uh, of course. First one, uh, I think you both tweeted that D'Lo and Gobert can probably play more together and Ant and Carl have been playing more together. Where do you think Jalen Noel fits into either of those lineups? And then, second one's mostly for John, I guess. Uh, how did David Kahn get hired in the first place? <laughs> Thank you. Take Thank the you.
1: Con, you take the Conwell. I'll later. take the Conwell right away. So, here, like, th- this is like the real thing. Like, this is what happened. Glenn Taylor at the time was going through serious health issues. He was not equipped to make that search and that hire exactly how it went and so what he did at the time was empower rob moore his son-in-law to do the search terrible mistake on glenn taylor's part to have someone in that position who was not qualified to, to, to do that but rob moore was the one who conducted the search and he was giving all of these candidates. Psychology tests and things to go through, and like there was a San Antonio assistant GM who came through and was like, I'm not gonna take that test, get out of here, and, and just wouldn't do it. And so he took his name out of the running. David Kahn was one of the BS artists that was able to but he was one of navigate us. It. that, yeah. He
2: was a sports he was writer. A, he was
1: a sports writer. So, um, and, and, and a Sid Hartman like sports writer, he wasn't like a John Krasinski sports writer, let's put that out there, all right? <laughs> yeah. Like, he, uh, So, I think we would have been better off with you. (laughs) (laughs) So, Glenn Taylor literally was kind of not able to make that decision. Rob Moore was empowered to, and he got, like fish hooked right into it and charmed by David Kahn, and it was a disaster. Um, Here's another bonus for all of you. Thank you for coming. I worked at the Associated Press in Indianapolis and covered the Pacers for two years before moving back. Minnesota in 2005. Uh, When David Kahn's name emerged as a candidate, um, they said, hey, David Kahn worked for the Indiana Pacers, was Donnie Walsh's right-hand man, and I had no idea who David Kahn was. And I covered that team, and I'm like, what is going on here? Am I the worst reporter ever that I don't know? This right-hand man who did these trades for Donnie Walsh and did all of this stuff. And so I called my Pacers people, including people very high up in that organization. And I said, what is going on? Like, who is this guy? And they all gave me the book. This guy is terrible. He's, you know, he's putting out lies. Like, he, he had nothing. We put him on the stadium to just get him out of the way of the basketball side of things. Like this actually happened and this is what was told to me during the process. I relay all of that information to the Timberwolves and say, hey, look, here's what I'm hearing. This is what I've got. And I also talked to people who were around his uh, D-League team that 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 he led and he had creditors that were after him and like were saying he left, bills unpaid and all this stuff. And I, I talked to all these people and one of the creditors said, I would not trust David Kahn as far as I could throw him and you can quote me on that. And I quoted him on that in the story when he was hired. Most of the stories when these new GMs are hired is very optimistic. And, and I'm guilty of that too because you put in the work and you say, everyone says good things about someone right away. I had in my AP story, This guy saying, I would not trust David Kahn as far as I could throw him in the story. And I told all the Wolves, I have all of this. And they didn't want to hear it. And so they still went ahead and hired him. And it didn't really work out. Show of hands. Show of hands. Show of hands.
0: I'll also say this before we get to the second question. I'm standing like right by the podium before Kahn goes up for his first press conference. And a Timberwolves executive who, I'll, I'll be nice, I'll leave his name out of it. Stood there, and this is after your stories ran yeah. and after everybody in our business knew that he was a fraud. Two seconds before he goes up to the podium, somebody yelled at me because I had written a column about kind of the same things. So, I mean, he's standing there yelling at me. I said, you have no idea, do you? And, and he said, he, he made Donnie Walsh. This is a Timberwolves executive right before the press conference, after all that information was out, who still believed. So they did not do a very good job there. Did not do a very good job. Yeah. But what was the second question? Do you remember? Oh, Jalen Noel. Yes.
1: Yeah. I think that's
2: like one of the more interesting questions, or like ambiguous questions at this point, right? Like, I like think anybody who's, if you've actually been watching the Timberwolves for the past three seasons, like you've seen Jalen Noel, right? He is, he is a three-level scorer. He's a bucket, right? He is this guy who we're always like, let him play Ryan, Finch, whatever. And what's held him back so much is he's not very big. You know, he's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he's really struggled to guard and that, that's limited his role. And I think we're at this point now where it's the assumption that Jalen like, has this microwave score off the bench role locked down. I think if we pulled the people in this room, like 90% of them would say they want that. I'm getting to the point as the more I think about this team, the more the coaches have confirmed the way they're gonna defend. It's gonna be very important who is guarding the ball on defense and you don't have Pat Bev to do that anymore. Jared Vanderbilt was good at that, right? Now you have Ant and D'Lo in in your backcourt to guard the ball. They are not good at that. And Jalen Noel is a very good offensive player, but if you are going with Ant and D'Lo at your guard positions, and then you are bringing Jalen Noel in, you are are having zero minutes of guard play that is above average defensively. I love Jalen, I think he's a cool guy again, think he's a bucket. I think Austin Rivers is going to play because they need to be able to guard the ball. Because that is the entire defensive scheme without getting in the weeds. is like, if you want Rudy Gobert to be good and block all those shots and do everything, it's, you can't just do that with one player. The guard needs to lead the player into Rudy Gobert. I don't think D'Lo's going to be able to do that. To be determined with Jaden probably can, but That that that's my concern. If Jalen Noel does not have as big of a role, it's not because he's not a great offensive player. It's because this team needs to guard on the perimeter more and and that's not that's not Jalen's skill set. So we're gonna learn a lot about how this team is gonna play defense, how impactful Rudy is in the context of this team. And and if Rudy is this like force in and of himself, then you can then you can play some more offensive focused type players, but but right now, I, I don't, and, and Finch has kind of led on that this isn't, like, totally Jalen's role. It's kind of a competition with Rivers and Forbes.
1: Well, yeah, and, but one thing is, it's clear that Finch wants him to yes, do that. that's a good point. And so that's a good step for Jalen in terms of having a coach that wants him in that role, and it's up to him. But I do think this is where, like, the unique depth of this team comes into play is that you have all of these different pieces that do very different things, so on one night, Jalen might get 25 minutes because you need a bucket getter. You need, yep. you, you're, you have, you're playing a switchable defense someone that's really mucking things up in the, in the half court. And you need someone that attacks and just is crafty and knows how to get in. That's when he's going to get his. Yep. Then there's going to be nights where you need shooting. Like Bryn Forbes is going to come in and just bomb from three because that's what the defense is giving you. Right. Then you're gonna have nights where you're getting torched on the perimeter and you cannot cover them and that's when Austin Rivers comes in. So I, I, I don't think it's gonna be necessarily a fixed 10 man rotation. I think those nine and 10 spots are going to be interchangeable depending on who they are playing night in and night out and Finch is a coach who has shown that he will adapt on the fly. And it, he's not going to stay regimented just because this is the way that he always does it. And, and so I think he's going to be pretty creative in how he deploys those guys. I think you've got to
2: pick, though, going into the game. Because this isn't well, yeah, a big, this isn't a big role.
1: Yeah, like, like, like Jalen's going to know before the game, hey, this is your game yeah. or this isn't. Or like Mike Onori will come up to Austin Rivers and say, tonight's the night, check in, clock yeah, in, be right. ready. Like I do think that they will do that. I don't think they'll just spring it on people unless things go wrong during the game and it's just like, it's unplanned. Like, we did not expect this right. and that'll happen, so.
2: Yeah, it, it, it'll, it'll be different night to night, I, but I, I think this stuff, it, it matters. Again, yeah, it when I'm, when I'm talking about the margins, like, yep. you, you don't, you, you need that depth and and that is, a, that is a weird role on this team right now because you did lose Pat Bev and you, and you lost a lot of the perimeter defenders. We'll see if they can play in a drop concept with Rudy back at the rim. Last year, we saw Carl damn near how, by half court, right? Like th- it's going to be a complete undertaking of the way in which they play defense. That's what Rudy Gobert does. And, and a lot of times, the connective tissue is what determines it. Like you, One of you guys mentioned it with the, the whole like Rudy narrative of can't guard in the playoffs. Well... As a center, how you can guard in the playoffs is directly correlated to the four players that yeah. are surrounding you. You can't guard all five in the yeah, no, playoffs. You can't. Yeah. No, nobody yeah. can. And, and that's going to that's gonna come up again here in, in the context of this team. What, that, that, can we just like actually talk about how that whole Rudy can't play in the playoffs yeah. narrative is just sure. dumb? Like Again, terrible surrounding defenders around Rudy in Utah. So when the Clippers spread them out, when the Mavs spread them out, what is Rudy supposed to do if his man is in the corner and Mike Conley's getting cooked on the other side of the floor? Yeah. He cannot be in the corner and at the opposite side above the break. That was not the, that was not the issue. The issue was not defense with Rudy Gobert. The issue with Rudy, and this is a fair rip, is Rudy's 7-2 and, and he struggles to put six, eight guys in the rim. They, the team, the Clippers go like Terrence Mann is guarding him, Right. Like, Rudy needs to be able to punish that. Once we get to the playoffs, Rudy needs to be able to punish it. It is on the offensive end that Rudy's issues are. Rudy is the best defensive player in the world. He, he is. And defense is tough. It's a, team, it's a team aspect of it. But what we need to watch over the course of the season is how they're using Rudy Gobert offensively and how he is able to punish smaller players than him. How does Finch use him in the pick and roll? Is it more than just lobs? All it was in Utah was lobs. He was awesome at that but can he catch it, can he, can he see left, right, can he make a pass, can he make one dribble, can he go dunk it, like, he needs to be able to punish on offense. That, that question right there, how much more can Rudy do offensively, is the answer to how far this team can go
1: in the playoffs. 100%. No doubt. We got a question yes. over here. Go ahead.
3: Hi, my Hi. name is Maeve. First off, Hi, my Maeve. dad has something to say.
1: Okay,
0: all right. Hi, my name is Ryan, I'm a big fan of yours and hey the Wolves. All right. Um, and I would like to just propose that the social media team for the Timberwolves this year uses the hashtag GoBear or GoHome.
1: Where have I heard that before, Ryan? Have I heard that somewhere? I like it, I like it, let's go. We do need, need to work it? on, like, nicknames and lines. Do you yes.
3: One? Second of all, um, with all the talent that the Wolves have, um, Who do you think will be the last one to make the roster?
1: Oh, it is a good question. Um, So, like, I think right now, or coming into training camp, I think Nathan Knight was, like, the odds-on favorite. Yeah. I don't think it's that way anymore. I think... Do tell. It depends on how this kind of plays out, but I think, like, they might need C.J. Ellaby. They might need... I think P.J. Dozier. P.J. Dozier. Yeah, that's another one. Like, I think that he signed with coming off the ACL, but yep. he has history with Tim Connolly. Tim Connolly knows that he can really be a factor defensively, gives them versatility. So it could come down to Dozier versus Knight and, and, and like, who is ready to do that. Because I, I don't think that they're worried about big depth at all. And so... That's what I was if just going to say. If you have say. Nas as your backup who's not going to play, that I, I think that may, maybe that go, they go that way.
2: I think... I think- uh, and we both speaking for both of us like Nate Knight and Nas Reid are two uh, for me two of my Great favorite guys. people awesome. on yes. the team they were built in the image of Gerson Rosas of yep. his vision of what this team was going to look like it is clear the, the image of Gerson Rosas was let's be the smallest team in the league that has clearly changed I don't think Nate Knight or Nas Reid fit this team I'm a huge particularly Nas fan believer in, in, in his game so I don't think it makes much sense at all to keep both of them on the team. I would be targeting a player who can guard. I think PJ
1: Dozier is kind of like a poor man's Kyle Anderson. And Can't. you can keep him on the bench for a while, let him recuperate, and then maybe by January, February, March, he's a little bit re- more ready for yeah. duty. And so. then that, that's what they're competing for in training camp yeah. right
2: now. Is like my, I, I said this on my podcast today. Like my guess, and not reporting, sourcing or anything, but like. Is that I think PJ Dozier is going to get that two way slot, and I think AJ Lawson, I, I think it would make sense if T- PJ Dozier took the second two way slot. AJ Lawson's out, and then PJ Dozier's in the mix to, to some extent on this team. Gets because to play in Iowa for a while. Yeah, get to see, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and again, we've all watched the Wolves forever. We're talking about, oh, is Jalen Noel going to be the ninth man, and then we're going to draw this red line in the sa- Like, that's not how it works. Guys get injured. Carl gets in foul trouble all the time. Jaden gets in foul trouble all the time. Like, More than nine guys are going to play on the team, even if it's not on any given night. And we've also seen when those players you have to plug in are Ed Davis or Trevion Graham, you lose. Like, they have players, I think, in P.J. Dozier and some of those other guys who actually can remain a level of competence because we're talking about an actual good basketball team. If you're getting crushed when three or four of your bench players are in the game, that's gonna literally cost you three or four wins over the course of the year. I think they have a training camp roster that's ready to be, you know, ready to go. Another question? I don't know, I'm not, I'm not the yeah. host.
1: Yeah.
4: <laughs> All right, hi John, hi Dane. Um, Hello.
1: You actually preempted my question a little bit, Dane, because you brought up Nas Reid. talks a lot, so yeah. it's gonna happen.
2: No, this is, that's great. I, I'm, cur- I'm curious what you think about uh, Nas
4: Reid's role on this team. Yeah. What do you think the best case scenario for him is? Dane, you previewed it a little bit, but where does he fit in with this vision to have Cat and Rudy on the floor 48 minutes?
1: Yeah, I mean, we both, we, like Dane said, we both love him. He works incredibly hard. I think he's improved as a player as much as any player longest, on this team.
2: Longest tenured Timberwolf outside of Carl Outside and of Towns,
1: yep. But it's just hard to find minutes for him right now because Finch said this week that he wants to have Towns and Gobert on the floor at all times. So they're not only going to start two bigs, Towns and Gobert, but then when Rudy goes to sit, Towns is going to the five. When Towns goes to sit, Rudy's at the five. Like Nas, Nas was getting like 11 minutes a night before and just back up five minutes. Those minutes are gone. And Kyle Anderson is the backup four. And, like, I,
2: and I would even say if they do need to go to third five, I, it might be Kyle Anderson too.
1: Yeah, like it's possible. They
2: may just go small with that. And like go, so, like. I think
1: early on, they'll, they, if they needed a third five, they would go to Nas just to yeah. try and get him engaged. Right. But I, like, I think it's going to be a tough sledding for him to get real minutes on this team. But I also think they will hold on to him because he is also a tradable asset. There's, there are teams around the league that say, yeah, I'll take a flyer on Nas. Oh, he's going to stick in the for league. something. Yeah. yeah, he's a good player. He's got. Well, he's, he's just got stuck sp- behind two of the four best. He centers yeah, right. in the entire league. And he's like 22 years old. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem.
0: Yeah. Good question. Thank you.
3: Yep. Another one. Keep them coming. Yeah. Hi, my name's uh, Nico Ybarra. a yep. big fan of both y'all. Uh, the question I have is, y'all mentioned earlier that with the new roster, the Wolves have the potential to have a similar rise like the Suns had. Uh, if that ends up happening, how long do you think the real championship um, aspirations with that timeline will last? It's probably like, Three years,
1: right? I mean... Go- it, it
2: probably is in three years. Right.
1: You know what I mean? Like, it, it, you, you're moving... To the, the Suns haven't won a championship either. Right. You, but you want to get to a point where... Like, I, I think you want to maximize these next two with Rudy Gobert because we don't know, like, how he's going to age. He keeps himself in great shape, like, all of those things. But big men can slow down. Um, the good thing for the way this team is constructed is... As he slows down, Ant comes to 23, 24, 25, and Jaden as well, and they should be able to kind of really take over as, all right, this is our team, this is what we do, but I think that right now for these next three years, you can say pretty confidently that Rudy is going to be a plus, plus player, and that fourth year everyone's worried about. Maybe it'll be great but there's a chance that he takes a dip, injuries, age, and all that, and so this is a really nice window over these next three to make as much hay as you can.
2: It's a fat window, I mean, it's, even look at the Suns, the the, the example we're talking about, like, they hit it that one year, and it's like, okay, well, we still have Devin Booker and Cam Johnson and all these guys coming up, and then stuff happens, you know, like, you know, stuff happens, and it, it gets weird, and, and what are the Suns now? They're an odd team that, like, might actually strip it no down. No owner, yeah. You know? Like, and, and so I think with the Wolves, you legitimately have multiple years you can look at this and build on whatever it is they do this year. Like, for me, if the Wolves end up winning 45 games this year, which would be the under, I still don't think that's the end of the world because they're not going to win a championship till Anson is prime, Period. Like, that just isn't, I, 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 in my opinion, that's not gonna happen. Ooh. So, so how, how, how do you get there? How do you get there, Ooh. you know? Oh, shut up. Ooh. A champion, they make it go to the championship. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We, we're doing totally positive stuff, I get it, I get it.
1: <laughs> no, you're totally <laughs> right, you. though, you're totally right, you're totally right. Go Another ahead. Question,
0: just grab, yep, there you go.
1: First off, how's it going? Great, great, how are you doing? Pretty damn good, all right. glad to be here.
2: All
0: right. Simple question, out of every team in the West, what team stands the biggest threat to the Timberwolves from reaching the finals?
1: I think it's the Clippers. Um, because I think, like, the way that they play, can't, they can make it hardest on the Wolves staying big. Yep. And with Kawhi, with Paul George, like, we've seen Reggie Jackson have success against Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. So if a team is really going to make it Difficult on the Wolves to stay big. It's a team that moves the ball quickly, which the Clippers do, has a lot of versatility, and that's what they have. I have my doubts about whether Kawhi and Paul George are going to be able to stay healthy the whole way, and all of those things. But and I, I also love Ty Lue as a playoff coach. So I think all of those elements make that the toughest matchup for them.
2: Yeah, I think the unique thing about the Clippers, too, is, like, they can go small, right, and they can do what they've done against the, the Jazz the past couple of years. But you also have Zubats, too, who can, like, kind of hit Gobert a little bit and, like,
1: wear him down a little bit before you go, quote-unquote, small. But like, or can give cat problems, as he's always has, yeah. and then they put a, another smaller on Gobert. And then it's, like, when
2: they go small, it's, like, Paul George... And At, yeah. and Kawhi Leonard are At your the, three and yeah, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's not small. You're not. Have you have you seen Kawhi Leonard's like thighs? Like you, I think he's gonna be tough to move. You know. Yep. So I, I think. But yeah, they have a bunch of question marks about who they are. You know, in the the continuity. If John Wall's oh, really
1: good. good, holy cow. Yeah. If not though, maybe that's a little bit of a, a yeah. of an advantage. So.
2: Yeah, I think they're they're probably the favorites out of the yeah. West right now.
1: I, I mean, but it'll be it'll be interesting to. Golden State, too. Golden State is going to be tough for the, for the Wolves. The, the way that they ping, ping, ping and hit, hit a bunch of threes, like do that's the that's thing. Do you have
2: multiple guys who can score on you in isolation? Yep. That is going to be the thing and is why like, the Wolves should roll through the beginning of the year because the Thunder don't have that, the Spurs, Spurs don't, don't have that. that, the Jazz don't have that. The, the tests are going to come when you're playing those teams that have multiple guys that can kind of go at you
0: question thank you
2: thank you both so much you got You're it welcome. thank you
1: I think we got another one here one more all right hey guys I wonder Hello. if anyone's listening uh, to. just
4: quick question yep. so it seemed like the coaching staff like in total with Chris Fringe had a lot of synergy and everything I know we lost Kevin Burleson this year he went to the Rio Grande is that a big loss or what do you think that means for our coaching staff
1: well, it's, it's a loss. I mean, he, he's valued as a young up-and-coming coach, player development. A lot of the players really like him. The we reason, really like him. Yeah, we really like <laughs> him. The reason that uh, it's a big loss is because Rio Grande Valley hired him. That's, a, that's a, like a feeder system for NBA head coaches, Nick Nurse, Chris Finch, plenty of guys who have come through there and developed into good coaches in the NBA. So that is a loss. That said, I think Joe Boylan is a very good player development coach. I think that, you know, they have Pablo Prigioni, Elson Turner, Micah Nori, um, really Kevin Hansen. They have a really good, like, tight-knit staff that is going to... I think that continuity is really good for this team in terms of establishing identity, continuing to relate to these guys.
2: So. I, think, I think a good signal that it's a good coaching staff is a lot of those guys were on Saunders' staff and still are. Yeah. You know, yeah. like...
1: Credit so, to Ryan for that. Yeah, yeah. for
2: sure. And yeah. and that, that that signals to me that they're high-level coaches, right? Because normally what happens is it's kind of a churn after one year. You take the incumbent guys, you bring in your own. Like, I mean, that, they were a good defensive team last year. That yeah. Kevin Kevin Hansen, Mike Enori, Elston Turner, like they're just as big, played just as big of a role in that as you know as Finch did. Finch had the idea of how to play they got the guys to execute that. And, and yeah, I mean, that's not something I would have said about all the, yep. the, the staffs
1: the Wolves Absolutely. have had in the history. Yep. it's good staff.
2: Good yeah. question, thank you. Hey guys, just big fan. My name's Dan. Hey Dan. Uh, up, Dan? First off, love seeing Wolves fans just back yeah. out and about and Let's having this season coming Let's back. Let's go! So excited for this. Um, my big question is one that I think has been looming over Wolves fans for years now. And it has to do with a large opening up in the rafters of the stadium <laughs> yeah. that has had a reservation figuratively sitting there. Do you guys have any comments, updates, or anything you can say at all about when we could see our beloved number twenty-one finally up there?
1: I, I wish that it happened this year. I wish that it had happened two years ago, five years ago, all of that. Um,
2: when is the sale final?
1: We, exactly. Like, it, unfortunately, what we have is a stalemate, and Kevin Garnett is not going to give in until Glenn Taylor is out of here. He does not want to pack a stadium for a ceremony and have Glenn Taylor benefit from that. Like, is that right? I don't know. But he, that's the grudge that is being held right now. The Timberwolves have been over backward trying to do everything they can to rebuild that bridge, to bring him back in, and they have not been able to do it. Kevin is a very prideful guy. He feels like he was wronged um, when he was kind of left out of the ownership situation. Um, the People within the Timberwolves will dispute that and say that there was never any real agreement that way. And so until... I think they completely passed the torch to Laurie and Rodriguez, and Glenn Taylor is removed from the situation. We're going to be waiting, and um, that's just the way that Kevin Garnett is, and um, the day that it comes up there, it's gonna be an um, unbelievable day, and it's going to happen eventually, but uh, not any time in the very immediate future.
2: How cool would it be before, like, the first playoff game, That's it. The first playoff game at Target Center, like I thought about this game three this past year, if they do the intros, they gave KG the mic, and he just gets the place going. I uh, mean, it, it would just be,
1: be the best. The, the best experience I've ever had as a Timberwolves writer was the night that he came back after the trade. <laughs> just, yeah. After the, I, I mean. Sick. I was there. Like, packed house, thunderous ovation, like, all of your goosebumps everywhere all over your body. Ricky Rubio comes out of the, the, the starting lineup introductions and is bouncing off the walls. <laughs> like, ha, in his five previous years, had never experienced anything like this. And here comes Garnett, and they have the Coldplay Kanye thing. And, and it just was incredible like and that will be the case when he does his retirement ceremony if he were able to come out like they're a number one seed two years from now and and he is the one out there going it will be unbelievable but we're gonna have to wait for that Ricky will get his number to retired too right I I don't know if he'll He's get the a retire. second most famous player in- I, I want to retire it right now Yeah, yeah like I want to retire right now, but you know, like I don't have a say in that. I kind of thought he'd be here. Yeah,
0: he's recovering from ACL. He couldn't get a parking. What's line. going on? My name <laughs> yeah, is Mark. Man. I'm right, from uh,
2: Minnesota detailing. So a lot of these guys we're talking about are my clients. They get their cars detailed, so I see him all the time. Nice. He was the pro am coach. Nice. Yeah. So you I can a detail my Kia Optima whenever you're <laughs> let's ready. Go. I let's won't go. judge you for how yeah, bad it is on the inside. Let's go. Let's go. So these guys, a lot of them speak in third person, egos are through the roof. We saw in the playoffs where. A lot of people had the green light. Jaden McDaniels went off for a game. Yeah. D'Lo tried to go off for a game. We got a lot of people that tried to go off. When it comes to crunch minutes, who do you guys see as the first option for scoring? Would that be Ant? Would it be Carl? What are
1: we looking at for what do you think one and two punch? It's Ant, right? It better like, be. It's, 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 it's <laughs> Ant. Like, I mean... But, like, the, the, the always... And I'm as big of a Carl Anthony Towns guy as there is. Like, and he, he's... Gotten a lot of criticism and a lot of things, but as a big man, it's harder for him to grab the ball, initiate, and go and inflict. He's got to have someone that gets him the ball. If they're double-teaming him, it's easier to take him away. Ant is the guy who will overpower. It doesn't matter. Like, you can throw. We saw Memphis do it. They threw everything they could at him in game one. He's still hitting setbacks. He's still doing all those things. He has that kind of a game that's just different. Um, from that, so it, it, it's that's got to be his his ball at the end of the game.
2: I think too, it's like we always talk about it can be multiple guys. A lot of times it can't be multiple guys. I I do think in the context of this roster, it can be like you can run an Ant Gobert pick and roll, and you can have Cat and D'Lo flanking them to to kick out to. Like I, I I can't wait till we actually see some of these these late game things because. As a di- I don't think you want it to just be Ant isolating. I mean, he might be right. a primary yeah, option. Yeah. Right. But but right. The, it is significantly more dynamic. If you just get into it and find the open player in that, I think it's fine if it is Carl sometimes. Sure. I think it's fine if it is Ant sometimes. Let's throw it up to Rudy. Let's have him dunk it. But I think it, it
1: starts is. mostly with Ant initiating and putting the pressure on, and if some, and if he creates off there. of it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's gotta got to grow there. That's the next step that he has to take as a decision-maker playmaker is... Not only looking for himself, but finding his teammates and, and creating off of that. And
2: can his bucket, can his, can his late-game buckets be easy shots? We right. think about that corner three he hit in the yep. Memphis game.
1: Oh, my God. Right?
2: Nasty. That's a really hard shot. Exactly. Like, can he get to put on 10 pounds? Can he get the basket and just finish an easy shot, too? follow. will yep. Carl accept that?
1: See, I think, okay, I think he, he always will. has. I think he will. I, I know, like, we, we always talk about, is this Carl Anthony Towns' team? Is it Ants' team? Like, Carl has taken a lot of shit over his entire career. Some of it's deserved, a lot of it isn't. But, King shit. Like, I think he, he knows now that the only way to put to rest all of the people that are chirping in his ears, you're soft, you can't do this, you're an empty stats, all that, is to win. And he knows that... And he's always done that. And he's always done that. He really has. He knows that you need, your, you need more than one good player to win. And so if, there's a, if there is a, an established franchise player that will share that spotlight, he's going to do it. And, yeah, he may have to put up with some sort of, like, everyone loves Ant and, and people are frustrated with Carl for other reasons, but... I I think, like, he sees the big picture of if we win 55 games and advance deep in the playoffs, all that shine's coming on me, too. And so I I do think he's going to share that. Thanks. All
4: right, what's going on, guys? I'm Joe. Hey, Joe. Um, I know you guys already touched on it a little bit, but I want to go back to, like, the leadership thing. Uh, There was, like, a a Brian Windhorse article that came out. I don't know if you guys saw it, but how um, a lot of players were shocked. He said a lot of players were shocked by the – the trading of Pat Bev. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any players that were kind of disappointed by Pat Bev leaving and if that will have any effects? And then also on the leadership thing, I want to hear more of what you guys think about D'Lo as a leader. I think over his career, he's gotten a little bit of a bad rap. For some reason about, about some reputation he's gotten as a, as a bad locker room player. I have a feeling that a lot of guys really gravitate towards D'Lo. As a personality and as a player on this team, I want to hear what you guys think more about D'Lo's leadership, Pat Bev, and just the whole thing in general.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, D'Lo is a guy who, when he is up and, like, he's engaged and he's locked in, he's captivating. People feed off of him. He's very communicative. He, like, there's no bigger bleep talker on the sideline in terms of, like, having his guys back and chirping at, at opponents than D'Lo. Like, he... He can be locked in that way. The problem is is that he will go into funks. And that's when it's like, where is he? Um, and, And can we rely on him? So if he's able to smooth out some of the inconsistencies, then he absolutely, I think, is a really valued leader on this group. And he has entered this season with a mindset of whether it's because he wants to get paid or he's growing up or he's a father, whatever it Like is, he's been really engaged and that's a good sign. The question is, is can he sustain that through the entire season? Because when it goes low, it's hard to predict. So um, when he's locked in, he can absolutely be that guy, I think.
2: It's a story of different types of leadership, right? And and sometimes different types of leadership work and sometimes when you have different types of leadership, those leaderships butt heads. And, and as good of a leader as Papev was, it wasn't well received by everyone on the team all the time. And I think that played a role in him not being here. And it doesn't mean he wasn't great at what, what he did, but ultimately, when you commit to playing the type of way, the type of roster that they have here, that led them to believe that Papev was expendable, as good as, he, as good as he was before. Again, I said it before, I don't think it was like an irreplaceable type. I think it was a special type of leadership. I don't think it was irreplaceable. It'll be a different style uh, of leader that steps in here. And and I mean, me and John don't know Rudy that well. I, I, I'm kind of assuming Rudy's going to fill up some of that, but to be determined. I, 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 I really I really don't know. I know the leadership won't look like what it did last year. I would be surprised if if we're talking in three months and it's like there's some real leadership chasm in this group. Right, I agree, I agree, yep.
4: Quick, we'll one, quick one here too, uh, also on the Pat Bev thing. Do you think Pat Bev might have had uh, an impact on why Lo kind of went down at the end of last year? Well,
1: one, I mean, I do think that Lo stands to benefit in terms of, Pat Bev sort of usurped some of his role as a yeah. ball handler, as an initiator. We saw in the Memphis series, him going right at Ja a lot. It was successful. But I do think that that prevented D'Lo from being in more of a rhythm. Now, D'Angelo Russell needed to play a lot better. Like, he needed to be a better defender. He needed to be a more consistent shot maker to earn it. But I think think it was part of, like, Pat Bev saw that, hey, D'Lo's not in it. Like, I got to take the reins. And he did. Now this is D'Lo's show. So, for better or worse, like, there's no one behind him. Jordan McLaughlin, we love him. But... There's no one behind him that's going to take the bulk of the playmaking minutes, and so I think that he will feel less threatened by that. I would just say, think about
2: the progression of Patrick Beverly's role over the course of the season, right? Comes in as like 6th, 7th man, moves into the, so not cutting into Delo's point guarding, cut, moves into the starting lineup, inherently cuts into some of Delo's point guarding, and then by the time we get to the playoffs, Pat Bev has this huge role because they're trying to high-jaw on him. And Pat Bev took it at John that sort of way, and that helped the Wolves because Pat Bev was scoring on John Morant, but it diminished D'Lo's role significantly, and if you are vain in any sort of capacity, as we all are, and you're D'Lo, and you're seeing this happening, it's like, well, I, I know Dilo is a better scorer than Pat Bev, and he knows that, but he's being guarded by Desmond Bain or Dylan Brooks or something like that. So is this just kind of like weird collision of it makes sense to let Pat do his thing? But I'm D'Angelo Russell. I'm on a max contract. I'm, I'm this and that. I I, I, I don't want to totally get into the, the minutiae of all that, but I think Pat Bev's role just really evolved over the course of the year in a way that cut into D'Angelo Russell's.
0: We've done, We've done a, yeah. we've done a lot of live shows on the network. This might be the first time we're ever going to actually have to cut off questions. We're going to have two more questions because we have to give away some stuff. Once again, yeah, we're yeah. going to give away... Uh, we're gonna get Megan and Neil up here. We're gonna. Uh, Megan is dealing with all the raffle tickets. We're gonna give away Head Flyer gift cards, merchandise. We're gonna give away the tickets, and John is going to give away the Manscaped, and he's gonna show you how to use it. That's right. Uh, so, so fire away. Hey guys, uh, Ben Wolves here. Super awesome to. Here at the podcast, you guys do a really good job covering the team. Thank you, thank you. Anytime I Google news, the Timberwolves, you guys give the best coverage and super appreciate you. Round up,
1: round up, round up, for say these some guys. more nice things about us, please. Say some more nice things. And thank then, you, real quick,
0: I just want to give a shout out to Johnny Flynn,
1: wherever you're at. Absolutely, if not for you, we would not be here today. That's right, no question.
0: Absolutely. And then, um, two things What's your you shirt? think we can win a championship? In the next ten years, and if we do, will you guys both promise you will glue yourselves to the court? <laughs> I will. So, my, my, I think they should have
1: left the handprint on the court. Yes. They took it off. I think that should have stayed there forever because that was an unbelievable moment. The new Target Center needs to just have a white yes. handprint. Yes. Yes. Jace Frederick, though, has said on your pod, it should be—they should be championship, right? Like, I mean, basically, he's saying that like they should be in the mix. For the championship. Which is weird because Jace is so cynical. (laughs) I know, right. But I I will say like. You should. They should. They should. That should be the goal, which sounds ridiculous for saying Timberwolves championship. But I really do believe that there is a scenario that happens, whether it's this year, next year, or whatever. There comes a point where the Wolves are in the number one seed and we're all looking and we're saying, well, yeah, look at that starting five. Like, they are incredibly talented and they fit together. Now, winning a championship in the NBA is incredibly, incredibly difficult. So I'm not going to say that, but that should, that's why Rudy Gobert is here. That's what they're going for.
0: Will we get Ben Simmons? No. No. No, not anymore.
1: Sorry. That ship has sailed. Thanks for doing this, guys. Yeah. This is really fantastic. Thank you. Uh, my name is Corey.
2: First Corey. off, you uh, talking about David Kahn, getting <laughs> it as a sports writer. All I could hear
1: was, it sounds like you missed your opportunity. I, yeah, I did, yeah. I'm, I'm bitter about it. We That's could what had, I, uh, yeah. Steph
2: Curry, the statue of yourself could have been on first Ave already. It's all uh,
1: jealousy and envy. That's what it is.
2: If Conley doesn't work out. Oh, John, I'm, it's I'm going, it's going hard Bobo. for it.
1: Trust me. <laughs> looking at this season,
4: everybody's big on Ant, Rudy, of course. But I'm looking at Jaden McDaniels. and He looks yeah. fantastic. What is the ceiling for him, and how big of a piece is
1: he for a championship team moving forward? Man, it would be great if someone wrote a big story about Jaden McDaniels this week and, uh, you know, and talked about that. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, he enters this season, I think, as like a real X factor. Like, if we all are looking at Anthony Edwards making a year three leap, and everyone is excited about that and talking about how impactful that could be, but... If McDaniels makes the leap, that all of a sudden changes all of the chemistry and, uh, and the calculus around what this team can be. And when you hear coaches talk about him and his two-way capability and his, like this is not Trenton Hassel. Like this is not a three and D guy that they think is just gonna stand in the corner and knock down threes and then play a bunch of defense. Like this is a guy that they believe can eventually evolve into a force on offense and defense. And if he starts taking steps that way this season, uh, look out, man.
2: What's so funny about Jane McDaniels is like, high school, college, not a good defender. Yeah. Like bucket getter. That, that was his entire basketball upbringing. Like he yep. was a go, like cross you up and pull up from the mid range. That's what he was. And that's why he caught so many people by surprise that rookie in sophomore season, it's like, oh, this guy can really guard, which is such a good fit in the context of this team. Like, when we've expressed any concerns about this team this season, or even tonight, it's the amount of shooting the team has because Rudy's not going to provide any shooting. So you have concerns about playing multiple non-shooters on the floor at a time. If Jaden can shoot, that solves a ton. And the other thing we're concerned about is losing Pat Bev and Jared Vanderbilt for perimeter defense. Jaden McDaniels is the best perimeter defender on this team. So... If he's able to be both of those two things, it's not only, like, meaning... It's not only going to, like, grow his star in the perception of the league. It's extremely meaningful in the context of this roster. And What I really like about Jaden, since he's been here, is he, like, that seems to be what he cares about. Yes. Right? Is just, like, is what do we need to do to win? And somebody got in his ear and was like, hey, if you just play three or four year, through your rookie contract and you're just an awesome two way player, you're probably, your next deal is gonna be for over hundred million dollars. Bridges. And it sounds like, yeah, it sounds yep. like it seems like he's very much internalized it. And you know, we all saw the clips from the Pro-Am and stuff like that. Like he, he's always, it, it's not like he developed a bag this summer. Like, he's already, he's, had it. he's already had that. He's just played on weird teams, bad teams and teams that had a lot of shooters already. So I would love to see Jaden, in some sort of context this year, where he's able to play in the second unit and have like a little bit bigger of an offensive role to be able to yeah. showcase a little bit more of that. I'm curious to see how they stagger stuff out in that sort of way. But like, I, I personally think Jaden McDaniels will take a bigger leap
1: this season than Anthony Edwards. Ooh, ooh, ooh did you hear that? Oh boy, Dane Moore at Head Flyer on a Friday night. Let's go. All
0: right, one more question, um, they are gonna give stuff away.
2: Question.
1: Um, I know
2: Rudy's a big signing, but I think we're underestimating the um, Austin Rivers signing. I think what we know we'll get with D'Angelo is a hit or miss some nights, and I think Austin can take us when we don't actually have
1: D'Angelo that night. I think it's a good, a great, great, great signing, great veteran presence and everything as well. I think I think the key with Austin now, like earlier on in his career. Yeah. He really thought that he was the star. Yeah. And, and I think that what we heard from him on media day was a guy who was accepting of, I am a role player now, and I just want to win and do the things that I need to do to win. And so if he has that mentality, I think that absolutely can be a, a big plus for this team. Not Pat Bev level, but Pat Bev-ish in terms of veteran guy, does the little things, defends and kind of is there to be a kind of Yoda for these young guys to figure things out as the season it's goes
2: It's kind on. of called like it is, too. He was, like, two years ago on, like almost out of the league. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what he did, which kept him in the league, is he adjusted his game. He stopped trying to be a bucket getter. If you look at Denver, like, he almost exclusively took corner threes. And he played a role in that sort of way. He became significantly more intentional about defense. Like, once you get into your 30s in the NBA, if you're not a top 50 player in the league, if you want to stay till you're 36, you better like, adjust the style of game you've had. And while I would have never guessed that of Austin Rivers yep. five years ago, Absolutely. the last two years he's already done he's been that. that. Like, yep. so, Denver, I, he was big. I, he, I, I think he's,
1: I don't know. I, I think he might play more than Jalen Noel. I talked to Finch about this and we'll wrap it up here, but like, he is the kind of guy that he goes to a team, and you think he's not going to get many minutes. All of a sudden, you're in the playoffs, and he's playing minutes yeah. in important situations. Like Derrick Rose yeah, in exactly. 17 18, yeah. Yep, exactly.
0: Okay, first thing we're going to do is wrap up the show. Then Megan's going to come up here, and Megan and John are going to give away all the cool stuff. So thank you for being here. Thank we appreciate it. Thank you very much. It. Thank you, guys. This is awesome. Uh,
2: thank you. Hey, can I plug something quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hey, so I'm going to be doing the same thing at uh, Falling Night Brewing Company on Tuesday night. for the. It'll be a live show. And uh, that's also the preseason opener. So we're going to do something like this. Maybe not how long? Not for two hours. We're going to talk for like 40 minutes, and then the game will be on, and we'll all watch it together there too. So if you're not doing anything on Tuesday, I'm assuming if you came to this, you're probably going to watch the preseason uh, opener. So come to Falling Knife on, uh, on Tuesday. We'll check that out too.
0: Okay, so let's uh, say thank you to Head Flyer. We do appreciate it, and we hope to be back. <laughs> yes. Thank you to Dane Moore. Did a great job tonight. This is a great podcast.
1: Thank
0: you. Once again, thank you to Brandon Morton, who hates to hear applause. And thank you to John Krasinski for doing such a great job at the show and the network. uh, 19 years. 19 19 years. years. Are you ready?
2: Like, I'm kind of concerned. I'm not ready. I don't even know what what to do with
1: my hands, like Ricky Bobby. (laughs) Like, I don't know.